when a local farmer has to go to the bathroom, she decides to just sneak out into the trees and pop a squat. Little does she know that this biological need is about to be interrupted by a monstrosity from beyond the stars. And then we travel to South Carolina to take a look at the story of a young boy who often finds himself visiting his aunt. He loves these trips. He loves spending time with his aunt and exploring her amazing house. But each time he shows up, a mystery awaits him. Will he get to see the door? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We're getting closer to Christmas Day, all you Santa believers out there. And you should, because he's real, Jason says, because he doesn't know how many kids are in the room while you're listening to this podcast. Santa's real, kids. And so is everything else. (laughs) So is all of the horrible things I talk about on this podcast. They're all real, too. Hope you guys have some awesome Christmas plans coming up. But someone who's always ready to party, whether it's the 25th or the 1st, running into Dead Rabbit Radio Command, everyone get on your feet and give it up for Camera Head. Woohoo, yeah, wee! <laughs> He's running in, taking pictures of everybody. <laughs> pose, get a good pose. Camera Head, you're going to be our captain. <laughs> Camera Head, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. Camera Head made a donation during the Dead Rabbit Radio Thanksgiving live stream. Really, really appreciate it. That's why you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode today. If you guys can't support the show financially through the Patreon or the merch store or the occasional live stream, that's fine too. It really, really is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. And it's appropriate for children. Sometimes. But, but most often not. Camera head, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the steam shovel for the carpenter caboose. Everyone climb aboard as camera head takes us out of Dead Rabbit Radio Command and chug, chug, chugs us all the way out to Spain. Chugga, 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 chugga. Nice leisurely drive out to Spain. Specifically, we're headed to Avila, Spain. It's April 17th, 1997, late at night, and we're about to meet this young woman named Amelia Carballas. Amelia Carballas. She's a farmer. This is her farm. And according to the report, she has a, quote, physiological need, unquote, that she needs to satisfy. I don't know if she doesn't have a toilet. I don't know if her toilet's broken. The story is not clear on that. I don't know if she had a toilet, if her toilet was broken, but Amelia goes outside to go to the bathroom. And while she is going to the bathroom, she begins to hear some noises from behind. And she turns and she looks, 
just in time to see a hairy beast, more monster than man, run through the bushes towards her. She said it was, she said it looked like a dog, but it was running on two legs. And they were like massive kangaroo legs. <laughs> no, no boing boing sound effects were reported. Canine, I think we covered something like this recently. It was a cane, it looked like a canine with kangaroo legs. It was running through the forest, running through this wilderness area. And although it had the body of a dog and the legs of a monster, right? Kangaroo, uh, Australia's favorite monster, it had the face of a human. It's covered in hair, but she could clearly see it had the face of a human. And it was shouting out these loud grunting sounds. Uh, 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 as it's running towards her. And I mean, it covers the distance far quicker than you would think something with kangaroo legs could cover it. And it catches her. She's in a vulnerable state, right? Her She's going to the bathroom. Her pants are down. This thing gets to her and with sharp Clawed hands begins to shred her clothing. Uh, 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 ripping all of her clothes off. The, the, the sheer terror you must be going through in a situation like this. You're going to the bathroom. Next thing you know, you're being attacked by a monster. She doesn't even have time to react. And she's so terrified by what is going on. She can't move, but she lets off a blood-curdling scream. And then, this is horrific, this is horrific, this giant canine kangaroo man-faced monster rapes her. Horrible, right? That's like the worst thing possible. It'd be one thing to be attacked by a monster... It'd even be one thing to get eaten by a monster, but getting raped by a cryptid, who knows what this is? There's some other clues coming up as to what this creature could have been. Attacks you at your most vulnerable state, and it rapes you. Like, I don't think it gets any worse than that. And she can't fight this thing off. She actually blacks out. And a short time later, she comes to, she's like, uh, she opens her eyes, and this creature is standing over her, and then, using its kangaroo legs, it begins to take these massive leaps off into the distance. And she watches it. She's just laying there on the floor. She's just laying there on the ground, and she's watching this creature bounce away. And she watches it get farther and farther and farther away, and then she can't see it anymore. And then, in the same direction she saw it run off, and a bright object appeared to take off. From the ground, she watched this illuminated object kind of rise up and then disappear into the night sky. So now we're looking at, I mean, obviously at that point you're thinking alien. And cryptids have always kind of been in this in-between thing. Obviously a lot of it's urban legends. But cryptids are always kind of that thing, like, are they just, like, humans twisted by dark desires? Is it cursed men and women who have somehow fallen afoul of, say, like, a werewolf bite or, like, a witch's brew turned them into 
like a monster like this? Or are they alien? This is something you see in a very small subset of UFOology and Bigfoot research. Sasquatchology? I'm surprised no one's ever used that term before. UFOology and Sasquatchology. Peanut butter and jelly, those two together. I think that there are, I think some cryptids are probably magically created. I think some cryptids probably are very, 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 very small percentage. But I'm sure that there are some cryptids who are like a guy who pissed off a witch. And she's like, what? You didn't accept my wedding invitation? Why you? I have gumdrop and newt of blue. I will turn you into a kangaroo. And he's all, a boing, a boing. I'm sure that happened. I'm sure over the past 100,000 years of human existence, that's happened at least once. I'm sure some cryptids are the effect of some sort of curse. I'm sure some cryptids are a biological and undiscovered, which is generally, <laughs> generally when people talk about cryptids, they mean it's an undiscovered biological species. If you walk up to any cryptozoologist and say, hey, um, Dead Rub Radio was telling me that some cryptids are a witch's magic, I think. <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> think they're going to waste their time with you. Although I do think that is some of them, most cryptozoologists, are they more interested in like, oh, this big boa, this big boa constrictor, the Burmese monster constrictor. It once was appeared in some book back in 1782, and we haven't seen it since. It's a boa constrictor big enough to crush a building. Most cryptozoologists are looking for like giant sloths. So, uh, you know, and Bigfoot is a big part of it. And a lot of Bigfootologists, Sasquatchologists uh, believe that it's a biological entity. Some Cryptids could be magical, some could be a biological entity, some could be kind of in between those, right? Like a werewolf would kind of be in between magic and it would still have, it still has to eat, it still has like a calorie intake, bone density, it still has stuff that roots it into the physical world and it's a communicable disease, uh, lycanthropy. But there is a connection, it's again not the strongest connection as far as like, I think most cryptids, yeah, are probably biological but we do see encounters a lot of encounters actually um between bigfoots and ufos cryptids and aliens the chupacabra a lot of people believe that is straight of alien origin and with this guy bouncing around it's possible that he was also that was an alien thing you could wiggle in a little fairy explanation there if you wanted to like really ruin my day and be like the fey folk also have lights and yeah, yeah, I, this just stuff is dumb. So, um, you have... <laughs> that's just, I just gotta dismiss that stuff. I know you guys love it. I'm not a fan of the faithful. Could have been Faye. But whatever the origin is... let's. I, I th This is an interesting and hard story to tell, obviously. Because on the one hand, it involves a cryptid stalking a woman at night and bright lights and is it a UFO and, and going to the bathroom. All of this stuff is kind of funny. But then in the middle of it, she gets raped and that's not funny. So you have that like that. But that is kind of the key component to the story because this is what would make this truly terrifying. It already is truly terrifying, but making it even worse... Shortly after this event, Amelia realized she was pregnant. 
And that's really where the testimony stops. I got this from, think about it, docs.com. They got it from Testigo OVNI number two, August 1998 issue. And Testigo OVNI is, means UFO witness. The sheer terror of that event, looking at my notes, she was married. So I'm assuming that her husband, possibly kids in the farm as well, heard her screaming and all that stuff. That would be a terrifying uh, dilemma. That would be actually, that would be pretty awful, right? I imagine this is going to get dark real quick. I'm sorry, guys. I, this is the, the nature of the show sometimes. Uh, being raped and being pregnant from that rape puts forth a whole very, very um, heavy situation going on. And that's just awful that, you know, the, the, the woman needs to deal with all of these things now. And she was raped by a dude and now she's pregnant and she has to really look at all the whole saga, the whole issue laid out in front of her, what she's going to do. Heavy stuff, heavy stuff, right? And Amelia would be dealing with that same thing, but she would also, you would also be wondering, is, am I pregnant from my husband? Or am I pregnant from this beast? And that's a, it's just so chilling. And this story, while, you know, it's shocking, probably, probably shouldn't have done it. Probably, I'm already thinking, oh, it might be a little too heavy, honestly. It does, and I hate to bring this up too, the Fae Folk, you know, a lot of that is based around children. The Fae Folk stealing children and replacing them with your own. And they're always kind of messing with kids. Aliens do the same thing. Not so much. You don't see it in the lore as much as them. Um impregnating women a lot of those stories came out of the like 70s to the 90s you don't see it happen as often or i just i'm not encountering those stories but you would wonder right you would wonder this entire time like am i carrying the child of my husband or the child of this monster and what type of decisions would you be making in that situation it's a terrifying story. It truly is a terrifying story. And one, we don't know... That's the end of the story. We don't know how this ended. We don't know if she kept the child. We don't know if the child was human. I'm sure if she gave birth to a kangaroo, that would have made the news. But... Like, even if you gave birth to a human child, would you know 100% that this wasn't the child of a monster. And it, was this creature also just running on instinct? Was it just like this wild, deformed, vicious monster that... I mean, it's rape. It's rape either way, but I'm saying, like, was it doing it malevolently? Was it doing it because instinct? Or was it doing it because of an, an instinctual drive? Did this creature used to be a man? Was it always a monster? Was it some sort of alien experiment gone wrong? Who knows? And you know what? Now that I just thought about it, it could have just been a guy. I mean, this one sounds funny. I'm not trying to be funny, okay? What if it was a guy in a suit? 
Because that would be the perfect disguise if you wanted to like, be a criminal. you dress up like a monster. Terrifying story. Terrifying story. Don't really have anything to add to it. It's kind of a bummer. I'm sorry. I found it. I thought it was interesting, though, that this woman was out in the woods and this, this creature attacked her. And even by her own version of the story, it wasn't caught. It went away. Whether it disappeared into a dimensional portal or got into a vehicle and flew away or the fae folk carried it up on fairy wings, it would still be out there. A creature like this could still be out there. And it, did it do it because it was evil or did it do it because of some sort of animalistic instinct? We don't know. The bottom line is that it did it. And that is horrific enough, whatever the motives are. Camerahead, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Spain. Fly us all the way out to South Carolina. Camerahead's flying us all the way out to South Carolina. Specifically, we're headed out to Charleston, South Carolina. We didn't get an exact time period for this story, but I'm going to go ahead and just based on context clues, I think it took place sometime late 70s, 80s maybe, but could be wrong, could be 90s, could be more recent, not for sure. But we're about to meet this young boy, let's go ahead and call him Philip. We didn't get his real name. Philip, when he was a little boy, loved to visit his great aunt. We're going to go ahead and call her Becky. So he's like sitting in the back seat of a car. He's like, oh, yeah, going to meet Aunt Becky. She's my favorite aunt in the world. And the car's like driving through the neighborhood. Oh, great aunt. Hope you got some cookies for me. Hope you're making some cookies and some pancakes and some special type of rice. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know if he even sung anything. His special, his aunt's special type of rice. He just loves it a lot. His parents are like, what in the world is this lunatic talking about? She doesn't make special rice. <laughs> Anyways, this car pulls up outside of Aunt Becky's house. And Philip jumps out of the car and he's like, Aunt Becky, Aunt Becky. And he runs into the arms of his loving Aunt Becky. She lived in this old style house built around the 1700s. It was a big house. You know, is you would imagine homes built in the 1700s were probably pretty big because there was more land back then. I don't think they had apartment complexes because everyone just was like, oh, I'm just like going to stand here and build a house. There's so much land to go around. Probably. Well, actually, now that I think about it, they did have apartment complexes. They were called slave quarters. We are in South Carolina. This house was built back in the 1700s. Not everyone got to live in a nice house, unfortunately. He's running around this house, Aunt Becky's house. Now, Philip said, I always loved going to this house. Really cool place. I got to hang out with my Aunt Becky. She made her special rice. But there was one thing I loved in particular about the house. Because what child doesn't love a good mystery? It's the reason that even now, today, kids read books like The Hardy Boys and the Nancy Drew and real life mysteries are even better. Imagine if you could live the life of a Goonie. Everyone loves mysteries, especially children. And what Philip found was a mystery in Aunt Becky's house. And this is really interesting because 
This story really takes place over the period of 10 years. Because he would go and visit Aunt Becky from time to time. And as he got older, he started to realize this is not normal. But as a kid, it's just a really cool trick. Philip said, I love going into the house. It's this big old house and I'd run around. You could get lost in it. Especially when you're a little guy, you're running around the house. He goes, I would go exploring the house. But there was one thing I always wanted to check on in particular, and that was, is the door still there? Because across his various visits to this house growing up, there was on the third floor of the house next to the staircase, a little door. It was shorter and more narrow than every other door in the house. But sometimes it wasn't there. He'd run upstairs, look around, have fun all over Aunt Becky's house. He'd turn and he'd look and he'd see that tiny door and he would jiggle the handle. Door's locked. It's always weird how it was shorter and more narrow than all the other doors. It must be like a closet. Must be just a little crawl space or something. But the next time he would come back, not the same visit. Not the same visit. If he checked it the next day, the door would be there. But if he left and came back, let's say, a couple months later, the following summer, what have you, he'd come into the house, give Aunt Becky a big hug, eat some of her special rice, and then run around the house and eventually make his way up to the third floor landing, and the door would not be there. It would just be a little wall. And that is something that, as a child, you have no frame of reference. As an adult, you know that unless serious renovations have happened, doors just don't appear and disappear. But as a kid, you don't know. Is this just something that old houses have? Does every old house have a door that disappears? What would be your frame of reference? So as a kid, it was just this cool trick. Sometimes the door was there, sometimes the door wasn't. But as he got older, he realized that's not possible. I mean, sure, you can remove a door, put up a wall. You can do that. But why? And even if you did, why the next visit would you be like, you know, I don't like this wall here and I miss that room. You then knock down the wall, install a door, the same type of door, right? A smaller door, a more narrow door. Like you could physically do it, but the amount of labor to keep switching it back and forth just wouldn't be plausible. It's physically possible, but it just wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't make any sense to do it. As a kid, you wouldn't even question it. It would be a weird trick. You'd be like, oh, that's weird. The door's not here. But you wouldn't necessarily think to run downstairs and get your parents to be like, the door's back, the door's back. Because it's just one of those many mysteries in life. To a child, that would be the same thing as, why do we have skeletons? Like, we know why we have skeletons. It's to keep the meat in our bodies from just kind of, like, sloughing onto the floor. We're, like, we're just some sort of, like, amoeba-like creature. It gives us form and function. But kids don't know why we have... Like, a little kid doesn't understand why we have bones or where blood comes from. 
This would just be another one of those questions that I'm sure I'll figure out sometime. Uh, you know, there are doors here. Now it's not. It's... But as he got older, he started to learn a little bit about architecture or the permanence of items in the universe. Philip starts to go, that is really, really weird. I'm going to go check. Like, by the time you're like seven or eight, you're like, something's not right here. This door just can't keep appearing and disappearing. Doesn't make sense. So as time goes on, Philip does start to analyze this a little more rationally. And sometimes he would go to his great aunt's house and he'd be like, I'm going to go check on that door. And if it's there, which it should be because that's the way the real world works, see if I can get inside. Give your Aunt Becky a big hug. Holding a bowl of special rice, you walk up the stairs and you get to the third floor and the door's not there. You're like, what in the world's going on? You start to think maybe it was like a childhood imagination thing. Maybe the door was never actually there. But on another trip, Philip shows up, goes up to the third floor, door's there. The small, narrow door is exactly where it was supposed to be last time. He said the door was locked. He knew that even when he was younger. The door was locked, but it was such an old door that it had one of the keyholes that you could look through. I grew up in a house like that with my great-grandma. She had like this old farmhouse that I spent every summer with. And yeah, you could look through the keyhole. Not just like a movie trope. He goes, I got down and I looked through the keyhole and I saw there was another room. It wasn't just a closet. It wasn't just like a place where you keep the water heater or something like that. He goes, no, there was a room in there. Because I'd look through the keyhole and I'd see a room and it was furnished. When he looked through it, he said the furniture looked like it was from the 1950s. He said all of the furnishings in there looked like it was 1950s furniture. Decorations, stuff like that. And an even odder detail, because right there you could go, well, you know, maybe it's a storage room or something like that. Philip's looking through this keyhole. He sees that it's furnished. He sees there's a window in that room. Okay. So he goes back downstairs and he walks outside and he goes, I'm going to find that window. I know there's a window I saw outside that window. So he's walking around the house and he's looking at the windows and he's been to this house so many times. He's that's the window for that room. Okay. That that's the bathroom window up there. That's the window for that room. And he's looking at all the windows on the third floor. He cannot find that window on the outside of the house. So again, as he's gotten older, right, his deductive skills have gotten better. And he goes, you know, I couldn't get into the room. I looked into it. It's quite puzzling. But it wasn't to the point where he said, and this is something that I also think happened when he was older, because if this had started when he was a kid, he probably would have just ended the investigation. Probably wouldn't have even ran up there to check on it. He goes, I felt 
yeah, he, he says, I can't describe why I felt this or even how I felt this. Like, it wasn't like a telepathic thing or like a cold shiver or anything like that. He goes, but I did feel that the room was quote unquote bad. But I, I, he couldn't describe it anything more than that. I felt that the room was bad. And that could be that there's some sort of malevolent force involved. It could just be that it's so disorienting. It's no longer a little parlor trick. It's something that you know cannot exist. A room with an exterior window and there's no exterior window accounted for on the back of the house. A room that 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 could be minor. Right? If you count your windows wrong, you might make the mistake. More importantly, a door that phases in and out of reality. It's not a parlor trick anymore. It's something's broken in the universe. So it could be a bad feeling from that, or there could have been a malevolent force behind this phenomenon. Philip said one time I decided to talk to my great aunt, Aunt Becky, about it. It was her house. I'm sure she could answer some of these questions, right? Of Maybe she's experienced it as well. So he went into the kitchen and she was baking. And he walked up to her and he said, Hey, uh, Aunt Becky, this is going to sound weird. You know, I've been hanging out at this house a lot over the years and you have as well. It's your house. You live here. What's up with that door? What's up with, like, on the third floor, there's that little door, you know, with the bedroom. Or there's just, like, room on the other side of it, right? What's up with that? And she replied to him, quote, and, the, you know, obviously this is year la years later. He's telling this quote, the equivalent of this quote. But, quote, now's not the time for that. Now's the time for baking. She just went about her business baking stuff in the kitchen, baking food in the kitchen. And Philip wanted to ask a follow-up question, right? Like, this has been puzzling him for years. But he got the sense from his aunt that she was very uncomfortable by the question itself. He got a feeling from her that she did not want to talk about it. Now is not time for that. Now is the time for baking. And so he let it slide. And he said it was about a 10-year period, you know, that they lived in the area and he was constantly visiting Aunt Becky. But at age 10, I mean, when I, he was a little baby the first time he showed up. When I say 10 years, it wasn't like he's two. Now he's 12. Over the course of 10 years, he was visiting in this house, but a good chunk of it, he was just a really tiny child. At age 10, his, him and his family moved away from the area. Later in life, later in life, Philip and his family went back to visit great Aunt Becky. Now that he's older and he's been puzzled by this whole thing for years, he brought it up again. He asked her, about, hey, that... I, you know what? This is an interesting question. It actually says that they visited her. I don't know if he went back, if it was actually in that house that last time, if he went and checked again 
to see if the door was there, if it was empty. Because obviously, as an adult, if this had been puzzling me throughout my childhood, if I showed back up there and I'm 28, I'm kicking the door down. Right. If I get there and there's no door, I'm sawn through. I mean, you know what I mean? I'll be like, hey, Aunt Becky, I'll pay you for the renovations. I need to find out what's here. Like you would just break into the room as an adult. I think as a kid, you would because you don't really know. It's a puzzle. But as an adult, you're like, no, that doesn't exist. That's impossible. I'm going to kick the door down. So I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about this, I don't know if they went back to that house if they saw her in a care center or somewhere else. But anyways, uh, Philip said that he did end up talking to his Aunt Becky about it much later in life. And he asked her again, hey, you remember that little door in the house on the third floor? And he was kind of describing it. And she's like, I don't know. I don't remember that. I don't remember that, honey. No, uh-uh. And he goes, she was old at this point. She was having memory issues as a lot of old people have she didn't really remember much but he goes i don't know if she didn't remember or if she didn't want to talk about it and he goes to be honest i haven't talked to anyone else about it in the family either he said my uh, mom and my sister he goes i don't know if my sister because she also would hang out there i don't know if she ever tried to investigate the door he goes i don't talk to my mom and my sister about it because they're both terrified of the paranormal anything that's even remotely unusual scares them to death so he's like i've never brought it up with them as far as i know they haven't experienced it but you know possible my great aunt says she doesn't remember. That's possible, but it could be that she just doesn't want to talk about it. Does anyone know what this phenomenon might have been? This was posted online, not by Philip himself, but his wife. His wife, using the username external lawfulness 9 posted this just the other day. Was curious about what this door could be. What this could have been. And, you know, I guess there's a creepypasta. I hadn't heard about this before, but I try to stay away from creepypasta. Not that it's too scary or anything. I mean, a lot of it is mid. There's some good stuff out there. A lot of it's mid. Um, but anyways, I guess there's a creepypasta about something called uh, Bernard's Door or Burhard's Door. It's about dreams about a childhood home with a secret door in it. Uh, people are like, oh, yeah, no, it's this creepypasta. That's a creepypasta. I don't think he... <laughs> I mean, it's possible, right? Anything's possible. This guy could have told his wife a creepypasta. Passed it off as real. I did look into that creepypasta. It's a totally different setup. In that one, they know it's their childhood home that they're dreaming about, and they find a secret door, and there's, like, a creepy thing behind it. That It's a bit different than this one. First off, it wasn't a dream. It lasted over the course of 10 years. This kid seeing this and it just wasn't so sensational. The thing is, is like Philip could have made the story up. I don't know why he would have told the story to his wife. He's like, and that honey is why I don't want to have kids. That is why I don't want to have kids because I'm afraid of tiny doors. Now, can we please drop the conversation and never have kids? I don't know what the motive would be behind telling such a odd story to your wife. But people do crazy stuff. I do think it's interesting if we do accept it as a paranormal account, as a paranormal account, because this is so 
benign. It's terrifying. Like, we don't know what the secret is behind the door. We don't know why the door could vanish in and out of reality. We've covered story. We covered a story like that a while back about some urban explorers who found an abandoned house. I'll see if I can find it to put it into the show notes. They found an abandoned house, and while they were exploring it, they saw a door leading into the basement. And they go, we'll check that out last. Let's go to the top story of the building and work our way down. So they went up to the top story, and they're looking around. And then they're continuing on, and they go, oh, let's go see what's left in the basement. That'll be our last stop. And they went to where the door was, and it was gone. And they were trying to figure out, like, what in the world? All of them had seen the door. The one guy had looked down the staircase. Like, it was an open door. And they looked down on the staircase, and then they went up and did everything else. When they came back down, the opening was gone, and they could never find it again. These are paranormal stories that require a level of observation that I think most people don't have. You could say, Jason, if I walked home and I saw a goblin-sized door in my bedroom that's never been there before and I saw it, that is, I would obviously notice that. And you're right, if it was that obvious. But imagine if, like, my couch has pretty much been in the exact same position it has been in the entire time living here. If there was a door behind that couch that would pop in and out of reality every so often, I'd never know. I I would never know. If in your basement there was some sort of portal that would open up on an irregular interval, You'd never know. You just wouldn't know until something went wrong or until someone said, hey, dude, super weird. I went down to your basement. Like, you've been down to your basement a hundred times. Never had a problem. Yeah, that's where your laundry machine is at. That's where the ping pong table's at. Nothing. One day, one of your friends comes over and goes, hey, dude, what is going on in your basement? And you're like, what's going on? You follow him down the stairs and you look and he points to a door behind the water heater. And he goes, why is there a door behind your water heater? Like, isn't that dangerous? Like, can't that door, like, catch on fire or something like that? And you're looking at it and you go, there's not that door. No, 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 no. There's not a door behind my water heater. I've lived here for 15 years. What, What is that? I've never noticed that before. How would you even get a door back there? Why would you put a door back there? And the only reason you would notice it then it was because someone was down there at the right time and they noticed it. They noticed it was in an odd position. Most people, when they're encountered with something like that, where they look up and they go, hmm, that's interesting, I never noticed that before, will just say, oh, well, it must have always been there. Because of the very busy lives, right? It's not a level of intelligence. It's not a level of NPC versus main character. We live busy lives. I think this type of stuff may be happening more often. These are extreme examples, obviously. The door behind the water heater, the door on the third floor that is piquing a child's interest. And I'm sure Aunt Becky knew more about the door than she let on. But again, when her relatives come over, she's not going to be like, oh my God, guys, you got to see the craziest thing. Come up, I'm going to show you this door. Because it could have even been something she was ashamed of. This paranormal event, we don't know. We See, we have a luxury of loving the paranormal, of being into it. 
we want to share this stuff with other people. There are other people who who don't want anything to do with it. Like if I had a tiny door in my place, I'd have a webcam on it. I'd be drawing attention to it, trying to record when it appears and when it disappears. Other people, they just want to completely avoid it. They want to ignore it. Hopefully it goes away. This idea of doors appearing in and out of reality, whole places appearing in and out of reality, it can be happening, not saying it's super common that it happens every day, but it could happen more often than we would want to think. And unless it was a place that we were visiting regularly, we would never know. If you went into a bookstore and you're looking for a book and then you see that there's a downstairs section and you kind of look down and you go, that must be where the they store extra books. And you just kind of turn the corner and keep walking down the aisle. You're not going to go up to the register and go, hey, uh, that downstairs section, is that where you store extra books? And the clerk's like, what are you? We don't have a downstairs section. We don't have a basement. You're not going to ask that question. You might have been the only person who was going to see it over the course. Maybe it appears once every 50 years. Maybe it appears once a year. Maybe it appears once a lifetime. We don't know. The more commonly it appears, the more that the people in the place would know it existed. But if it's super rare, like we don't know how far apart Philip's vacations were. Aunt Becky obviously would have encountered this. But again, that blindness that we sometimes put up intentionally or unintentionally. Sometimes we don't want to see the paranormal. She might have walked up to the third floor and always just not looked in that direction. She didn't want to know whether or not it was there. Or just through the noise of life, may have not have even noticed it. I also wonder, and we'll wrap it up like this, Philip said his sister and his mother both were completely terrified of the paranormal. They didn't want to know anything about it. They didn't even like it being discussed in their presence. And so Philip never, ever brought the topic up with them. But I wonder if the reason why they both have such a strong aversion to the supernatural world. I wonder if it could be related to the door. I wonder if both of them, mother and daughter, experienced this phenomenon at a more menacing level than Philip did. Maybe they had an encounter with this room that instilled them with such fear, even the mere mention of ghosts or boogeymen or any other of these bizarre topics fills them with a deep, unrelenting fear. Maybe they are privy to even more information as to what the door is and what lies on the other side. But their fear and paranoia guarantees that they will never tell anyone the truth about the door. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.